The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the first fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so, if anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found on him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Uh, Let's pray. Uh, Father, um, I just ask that we could just be still this morning as we read through your word. Um, Lord, I pray that um, your scriptures are... They're not fake, Father, they're true. Um, Lord, I just pray that we could relate to your word today, that it's God-breathed and it's divine, um, and that you are eager to speak to us, Father. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we remember that these experiences that these people had, their sin is so real, Father, and I pray that we can still see Jesus through this, Lord, see your grace through it. Uh, Lord, I just pray for our hearts. I pray that we could... Um, just respect your word and be quiet today, Lord. Um, I pray, Father, that um, for Randall, as he, as his spirit, as your spirit speaks through him, um, Lord, that you would empower him and speak through him through truth. Um, amen. Amen. Thank you, Even. All right. Good morning. All right, I just want to say welcome to first-time visitors today. My name is Randall, and uh, one of the pastors on staff. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been doing from the very beginning of the year is we've been uh, really encouraging you to be in the Word of God. Um, and one of the ways we've done that is giving you a CBR journal. Um, so if you haven't gotten a CBR journal, haven't been in Genesis yet, you can still jump in, okay? Um, so we have some at the resource table out there, and uh, we've been going through now it's, you know, we're going through Genesis and then into the book of Acts now. It's amazing how it comes together, right? Like some of you are reading it and you're like, whoa, this chapter in Genesis and then this one in Luke or Acts, you're like, wow, this, this stuff really fits together. And here's the reason. It's because it's the word of God. 
right? It's God's word. And so I was just thinking this week, um, you know, this book is different than any other book. Um, it, it's, it's living and active. And so that's what it says in Hebrews 4. It's living and active. And so God wants to speak to us through his word. And so my encouragement is jump in there if you haven't yet. We want to equip you to do that. Um, now, we've been from the beginning of the year in this series in Genesis. We've been looking at, uh, it's called the, the gospel in Genesis. And like we've talked about, uh, Jesus uh, was at the very beginning. Jesus was at the very beginning. And what we see is that there's good news all throughout the Bible, even in Genesis, as we look at something today that's tragic. This is a family tragedy, um, yet we see the gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus through this text today. And so that's my hope that today we're going to be able to see that. And we're looking at the first family. Uh, So our text today is Genesis 4, 1 through 16. And here's the message. Healing and reconciliation. Healing and reconciliation. Um, What is God trying to teach us here through this text? Well, a lot of it is relational in this healing and reconciliation that can happen. Um, One day, uh, Swiss theologian Karl Barth was asked whether it is true that uh, in, in heaven we will see our loved ones. And What he said was this. It was very interesting. He says, uh, not only the loved ones. Not only the loved ones. And so about this, there's a a theologian currently within our generation, Miroslav Volf, that commented on it. Here's what he says. He says, the sting of the great uh, theologian's response, be ready to meet even those whom you dislike here on earth, is more than just a personal challenge. It contains a serious and, as it turns out, inadequately addressed theological problem. He continues, how can those who have disliked or even had good reasons to hate each other here come to inhabit together what is claimed to be in Jonathan Edwards' memorable phrase, a world of love? The not loved ones will have to be transformed and the loved ones and those who do not love will have to begin to do so. Enemies will have to become friends. Without such transformation, the world to come would not uh, not be a wood world of perfect love, but only a repetition of the world at which, at best, is the purest of loves falter, and at worst, cold indifference reigns, and deadly hatreds easily flare up. Now, that's a lot to take in. To think that. In eternity, it's not just the loved ones, but those that you and I might have a problem with right now that could be there. So over the past month, uh, we've been looking at Genesis, and what we've seen is that because of the fall, we are naturally self-centered, and we are bound to have unhealthy relationships. See, the type of relationships that they have to invent a word for, unfriend, They invented that, right? Like it wasn't too long ago. Um, But uh, to unfriend on Facebook, easily stop following on Instagram, ignore in public, avoid or even stop going to family reunions, right? There's the thing in us that wants to run from certain relationships. But is that how life is supposed to be? 
You see, the Bible won't let us get away with that type of petty living, right? The pettiness just won't let us get away with it. So in Romans 12, 17 through 21, here's what it says. It says, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully or peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is a different way of life. That, that's not naturally how we respond But you see, reconciliation, forgiveness, healing, it's not just for those special Christians, those special Christians out there, but for all Christians. And so today, God wants to heal our hearts. He wants to heal your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your ex, your sibling, your past relationships, your coworkers. Because as it says, it says this, it says, so as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. See, here's the thing. You can't make everyone happy. You can't make every relationship healthy. But God calls us. He says, as as long as it depends on you, ask God to transform you to be that type of person that seeks reconciliation within relationships. Because Wolf, he ends this article entitled Reconciled in the End with this. He says, if Cain and Abel are to meet again in the world to come, what will need to have happened between them for Cain not to keep avoiding Abel's look and for Abel not to want to get out of Cain's way? Surely the response must go something like this. If the world to come is to be a world of love, then somehow and somewhere in the course of the transition from the present world to the world of perfect love, Cain and Abel must reconcile. Have you ever thought about that? Must reconcile. And so how is it possible even between enemies? What does God call us to that can make this type of transformation in our hearts real? and reconciliation possible in our lives. Because again, I don't have to know you to know that there are some relationships and people that you just don't want to be around, that you would love to avoid. It might even be in your own household, your own family, because that's what we see here today. But so as far as it depends on you, what is God calling us to do? Well, the text today is Genesis 4, 1 through 16. And from today's text, we see three lessons that God is is really attempting to teach Cain about what it takes to be transformed from the inside out and what it takes to be a person of reconciliation. And so uh, I'm going to give you all three up front and what, what we see from this text. So the first one is this, embrace his true identity. Number two, own his sin. Number three, receive free grace. Embrace his identity, own his sin, receive free grace. 
So the first one, embrace his true identity. Look at, look at verses one through five. It says, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and in the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain... And his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. What's happening here? Well, um, at the end of this, we see that, that Cain um, is suffering from what we would probably call a depression. A depression. He's on this spiral downward. Now, we have to, to really look into this because we, we need to understand what, 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 what's happening here. Um, in this interaction. Well, to understand this, we have to understand the root meanings of their names. Okay, this is important. Uh, The word Cain means possession. And so what we find is uh, most likely Cain was the A player. He was the A personality. He's the person who's the driver who's going to go out there and take the world by the horns, that type of personality. He's the possessor. He was known as probably very fruitful, successful. Now, what about the word able? Well, it means uh, breath, short, slightly worthless. He was essentially a nobody. Now, why is this important? Well, Well, look at Eve's response when Cain is born. There is an excitement. There's a joy. He's he's prayed over to be fruitful. He's the firstborn. And what we see is he gets all the attention. Right? This happens. I remember when my firstborn came into the world, all the pictures, the videos, Everything is just focused in on him. Wow, look, he's crawling. He's walking now. Oh my goodness, everything's got to go on Facebook. You know, it's just all out there. And then poor L, the second, the second one and the third one, they're like, I think we got some pictures of him somewhere, you know. Cain was used to getting all the attention here. And, and then we see Abel is born. Do you see what's, there's no comment here. It just says, she bore his brother Abel. <laughs> she bore his brother Abel. Abel is just the other brother. He's not the focus. He's not the one that's going to grab the world by the horns. Successful. In many ways, he's overlooked. And, 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 and look at their jobs. Look at their jobs. Cain is a worker of the field. What do we know about Adam. Adam was a worker of the field. He's just like his dad. Just like his dad. And I almost slipped. Abel's a keeper of the sheep. What we see in scripture is that 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 task of being the keeper of the sheep, it was a very lowly position. It was a very overlooked position. I mean, you think of like David. I mean, they're just like, go out in the field, go look after the sheep. That's, that's where you need to be. You're just the little run of the family. Go out there and do that. And that's what we see Abel doing. 
Do you see what's happening here? There's an identity being shaped in Cain's life. Some commentators aren't sure if this is their actual names or or not. It might just be poetic. But it's trying to tell us something. And then we get to verses four and five. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now let's ask, what is it that sent Cain into a downward spiral? What is it that set him off? reading different commentators and then reading different uh, preachers who've preached on this, I think this was probably the most helpful comment about this uh, from Timothy Keller. Here's what he said. This is super helpful. He says, when God favored Abel, Cain either had to readjust his identity to or eliminate Abel. When Cain is confronted with God's measure of what truly matters and what is truly great, he has to exclude both God and Abel because his premise goes like this. If Abel is who God regards him to be, then I am not who I understand myself to be. The essence of sin is to build an identity outside of God. The essence of sin is to say, what makes me cool, what makes me okay, what makes me significant is I'm living up to what my parents say I'm a successful farmer. I am this. I am that. That means I'm a somebody and he is a nobody. When God shows he has a completely different value system, Cain goes berserk. This will happen to you. And if you build your identity on anything except God, all kinds of things will make you go berserk. People don't recognize you when you work so hard. Nobody wants to marry you when you work so hard. Things aren't going well in your life when you think I've tried so very, very hard or you say, this is who I am. I'm a great writer. I'm a smart person. I'm a sweetheart or or I'm an understanding person and you're rejected. People don't see it. They don't acknowledge it. You go nuts. Why? Because your identity is based on some aspect of your performance. Your identity is based on something besides God. Do you see how that happens and it just creeps into our life where we put something in that place of God and say, this is who I am. This is me. This is my identity. See, Cain believed a lie that he could build an identity outside of God. And this is where sin, God warns him, sin is just crouching at his door. This is where sin wants to destroy his life and those around him. Secondly, God is trying to teach him to now own his sin. Own his sin. So look at this, verses eight through 10. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. In verses six and seven, God spoke to Cain. He spoke to Cain. He he saw that thing that was in him that just was going to set him off. He saw the spiral. And so he lovingly comes to Cain and says, Cain, do you see that thing in you? It's crouching at your door. It desires you. It wants to destroy you. We talked about that last week. And now Cain speaks to Abel. 
Do you see how quickly sin can just ensnare us? When we allow it to just kind of creep in there and live in our lives? Look at verse eight. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. See, this is sin personified. About this text, uh, commentator Derek Kidner points out, he says, Eve had been talked into her sin, had been talked into her sin. Cain will not even have God talk him out of it, nor will he confess to it. He's at that point where he's not even willing to be talked out of it. What's the scene? It's probably a bloody Cain being confronted by God. And like a child standing before their parents guilty, Cain now stands before God. And we see this cycle of sin and really what it does in our life. Uh, in the New Testament, James 1, 14 through 16 lays it out. The, the sin, this cycle of sin. And so here's what it says. It says, but each is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it is conceived gives birth to sin. And when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Cain is deceived. And he's now creating distance. His sin creates distance from God, creates distance now from Abel. I mean, look at what he says. Look at, look at verse 9 through 10. And the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Right, this is like the ultimate unfriend. Right, like I am just distancing myself as far as I can from him. I don't want anything to do with him. Am I my brother's keeper? And God digs deeper. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Now, why does God question Cain? Again, those questions, it's not for God's benefit, right? It's not like, oh, that's new information for me. Thank you, Cain, for telling me that um, you're not your brother's keeper. Okay, got it. You know, like, I'm going to keep going and figure out what's, where he's at. It's not, it's not for his own benefit. It's for Cain's benefit. It's to bring Cain face-to-face with the gravity of what he's done. Right? Like, what, why does, when we read the word of God, like, does it, it read us? Right? Why does it read us? Why do, you, why do you read it sometimes and you think, man, is it, why does it know my life like this? It's because God wants to bring us face to face with, with him and the gravity of the areas in our life where he really wants to bring them to light so that we can be transformed. See, this is the first time someone has died in the Bible This is the first time that sin is mentioned in the Bible. And the thing for Cain is there's no coming back. There's no coming back from what he's done. Cain doesn't realize the full weight of what he's done. Right? Like like a child doesn't know the full gravity of, of why 
they don't do this particular thing, why you don't touch the stove, any of those types of things. Like he doesn't understand the gravity of what he's done to his brother. And God is pointing it out to him. He says, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Everything, even the ground that Cain was called to work is now exposing the harsh reality of what he's done. And he can't hide it. He can't hide it. Numbers 32, 23 tells us, it says, you may be assured that your sin will find you out. Right? And so it's, it's, we, we can't hide it. God knows all. And do you see it? He is graciously calling Cain to own his sin. To own it. This is the only way healing will come in his life. This is the only way true for forgiveness will come. Right? The, the, the thing is, if we're going to live with the facade like we've got everything together, then we're missing the point. There is no facade. God knows the truth. And so when we come to him and he questions us, it brings out the truth in a way that's loving because this is the last point. Receive transforming grace. Receive transforming grace. Here's what it says. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield uh, to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the, the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now look at verses 11 through 12. It says that the, the ground is now cursed you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. Verse 12, when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. Here's what's happened. Because of Cain's sin, he's now lost his identity. Right, the, the thing that, that made him successful, the thing that he built his life around, he's now lost it. It's been taken away. He's no longer successful, fruitful. He has a new identity, fugitive, wanderer. See, when we see this today, this happens all the time in very public ways. Right? We live in a culture right now where if you apply for a job, they can Google search you. Right, that, 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 that there's things that just kind of get exposed, right? They just happen. A couple years ago, me and my wife used to watch the Today Show. Matt Lauer, right? News anchor. Been on the show for 20 years. He thought he was untouchable. And then all the allegations and the sexual misconduct and all those things started coming out. 
right? That those things, they do come out. And when you have somebody who's built their reputation in their life as this is my identity, what happens when it's taken away? It happens all the time. And God lovingly says, don't build your life on those things. Build your life on me. Build your life on me. You think it's the workplace? You think it's, it's the family? You think it's all of these things? The spouse? Like all those things that you want to build your life on? It's not going to last. The only one who is able to sufficiently give us what we need is God. And now Cain must move on. He must mature and realize that his old life is over and that God has graciously given him a new life. Here's the thing that just should really blow our minds this morning. Cain killed his brother. What we know from scripture is that it says the wages of sin is death. Right, the wages of sin is death, but we see that God allows Cain to live. Should have died right on the spot. He deserved God's wrath and judgment. But what we find is that he has kids, he gets married, he has a life, he has a future. What's going to help you and me when we are in a place where we understand the grace of God, where we understand that it's free, that it is totally undeserved, like I did not earn this, my life does not match up, and that God should even love me. What's going to help you to to understand that that's how God views us? that it's free grace, that it's undeserved, that it's unearned. It's when we stop looking at the scriptures and saying that I'm not in here and we start looking at it and saying, I'm like Cain. Because Jesus said, it's, it's not just, he said, you've heard it said, if you murder that, you know, you're guilty of sin. He says, he ta- Jesus takes it further. He says, if you murder someone in your heart, you're guilty. Right? Like today we're looking at Cain. We're saying, man, that's so distant from me. I've never done that before. I've never murdered anybody before. Like, what? But Jesus says, if I do it in my heart, I'm guilty. See, how many of us have done that to people? Will we just erase them out of our lives? Right? It's easy for, for, like, to erase people out of our lives. Have I done it in my heart? And then that God looks at me and says, I love you. I'm going to give you a life. I'm going to give you a future. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you free grace right on the spot. I'm going to give you a life. See, what's going to help you love unlovely, unkind, unhelpful, unforgiving people? 
It's when you know that you've been loved despite being unlovely, unkind, unhelpful, unforgiving. It's knowing that your life has been marked by grace. Your life has been marked by grace. What's the mark that Cain wears the rest of his life? It's that God has shown him kindness. God has shown him undeserved forgiveness for the atrocious, selfish act of killing his brother. See, what gives you and me the strength to move forward in life and live differently? It's when we know that we're forgiven. It's when we know that we're forgiven. And so just some quick takeaways. I I want us to really process this, right? As we take it into all of our relationships in life. So the first one is this. Ask God to show you false identities. False identities, right? Like what false identities are you believing that are defining you more than what God says about you? The false things that we're just believing are going to fulfill our lives. And we put those things in the place of God. See, for Cain, it was very clear. And as those things are stripped away, he finds the simplicity of being forgiven by God. That's simple forgiveness. Secondly, the lies. The lies. In Ephesians 4, 25 through 27, it says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another be angry and do not sin. Do not, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. See, some of us today, we're hiding behind this phrase. I'm fine. I'm okay. Right, like, we just think that that's the, the thing that we can say so that people will leave us alone. I'm good. What this text is telling us is that we need to put away falsehood. We need to put away that false act, that that thing that we've got it all together, right? Perfect life, perfect marriage, perfect families, all this stuff. Here's the thing I was telling the team this morning. You know, one of the things that People ask me, they say, um, are you worried that your kids are going to be like, you know, PKs, preacher kids, run around, rebellious, really bad, you know, like that type of kid? And you know, I, t- I, s- I say, I don't know. Maybe, that, maybe that, that is their story. I don't know. I really don't know. But the thing that I know is a parents is that I don't want to give off the impression that I don't need Jesus. I don't want to live with the falseness of perfect dad, perfect husband, because I'm not. Daddy needs Jesus and not because I'm living with the identity that, yeah, I'm a pastor and all these things, friends. I need Jesus just as much as anybody. 
All right. And so like, let's get away from the falsehoods, the lies, and let's get to the truth. Because when it comes down to it, that's where our relationship with Jesus starts. Let's stop hiding. I'm good. I'm okay. I got it together. No, we don't. And so we truthfully talk with our neighbor. If we're members of one another, we need each other. And he says, be angry and do not sin. I want to say something about this. Anger is not a bad thing. There are things that, are, that, that today have been done to you. When I, when I talk about reconciliation, when I talk about relationships, when I say, okay, you need, to, you need to reconcile in your heart and love someone. There are things that you say, this person's abused me. This person has done atrocious things to me, said things. How? How? It says, be angry. It's okay to be upset that some of these things have happened because they're wrong. They're wrong. But it says, do not sin. What is that sin part? It's that I'm the judge and I'm the ruler and I'm going to be the one who exacts what they deserve back on them. That's the sin part. It's like it said in Romans, like who's the only lawgiver and judge? It's God alone. It's God alone. But many times in my life, I think I've got to be the one who brings judgment on that person because that's what they deserve. If you're in an unhealthy or toxic relationship, you need to distance yourself from that person. You do. You need to get out of it as quickly as you can. Because there are people who are just, so far as it has to do with you, be at peace, but there are people who they'll continue to use, manipulate, hurt you. Bible doesn't say stay in those relationships. But when it comes down to it, be angry, but do not sin. Trust Jesus. Find healing in him. And don't believe the lies. Next, pride. This can come in a number of different forms and in, in many ways it's, it's the breaking point for relationships. It really is. It's the breaking point. Um, do you want to know the root of pride? It's what Cain did. It's lifting himself above Abel. It's making him feel worthless and thinking that he could take his own life. It's believing the lie that he was better than Abel and they had, had the right to destroy him, to take his life. See, and, and there, let's be honest, man. There, there are people in our life where we, we, you feel that way about. 
I'm better than this person because of this, 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 and this. You or I, we won't say it out loud, but it rings in our heart. It, it, it is the roots of pride. It's what allows us to kill our neighbor in our hearts. And so my encouragement is remember what Jesus says. It's like, do not murder, trust in him and what he can do in your life. If you're struggling with pride, one of the, the great books that I encourage you to read is uh, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. We have it out there at the resource area, and so I encourage you to go out there and pick one up. Last is forgiveness, all right, forgiveness. And so ask God to show you forgiveness. Um, Corey Ten Boom was a Holocaust survivor. She told people her story, God's forgiveness of sins, the need for people to forgive those who've harmed them. And Corey herself was uh, put to the test in 1947 when she was speaking in Munich at a church. At the close of the service, there was a man who came up to her, came to the front, had an overcoat on. Uh, Corey froze. She knew this man well. He'd been one of the most uh, vicious guards where she was held captive. One who had mocked the prisoners. She said it came back like a rush for her, the, the huge room, harsh lights. And now this man was pushing his hand to shake hers and saying a fine message. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And Corey says she, who had spoken so excitedly about forgiveness, fumbled in her pocketbook rather than take that hand. She said he would not remember me, of course. How could he remember one prisoner out of thousands of women? But I remembered him. I was face to face with the one, uh, one of my captors. She said her blood seemed to freeze. I said, you, you, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard there, but since that time, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Again, the hand came out. Will you forgive me? She said she stood there. She said, I whose sin had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. Her sister had died in that place. Could he erase that? Could he erase her dying there? The soldiers stood there expectantly waiting for Corey to take his hand. She wrestled uh, with the, the most difficult thing she'd ever had to do. But she knew she was supposed to do it. The message of God's forgiveness has a prior condition that we forgive those who injured us. Standing there before the, the guard, Corey remembered the forgiveness is an act of the will, not an emotion. She said, Jesus, help me. She prayed, I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You, sim you supply the feeling. Corey thrust out her hand. She said, as she did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in her shoulder, raced down her arm, sprang into her hand, 
The healing warmth seems to flood her whole being, bringing tears to her eyes. She says, I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. I forgive you, brother, with all my heart. See, what gives us the strength to do this? What gives us the strength to reconcile? Again, in your own household. I'm guessing there's some marriages today that need that. There's some friendships that need that. There's some relationships in this room or outside of this room that need that. What, what gives you the strength to, to, to know this, to do this? You know when God said, Abel's blood cries out to me? Abel's blood cries out to me. Hebrews 12, 24 tells us this. And to Jesus, the meteor of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You know that's that, that word that speaks out to you and me that we're forgiven? It's the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus. And first knowing that we're forgiven, it gives us the strength to forgive those who in many cases have done unforgivable things. The thing that I thought, man, that's unforgivable. No way. God says, I forgive you. I forgive you. And it changes our lives. And so will you trust in the better, the better able? The one who speaks out and says, I forgive you. And I want to transform you in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, there, there are things in our hearts where it's just hard to, to understand, to get over things that have happened in our lives. And I just pray for your help, Lord, to find forgiveness, to receive forgiveness. I think part of Cain's life is understanding it's too much to bear. I can't do it. And when we get to that place where we know we can't do it, then we find forgiveness in Jesus. So I pray wherever we're at today, Lord, that you help us, you bring it to light, and you bring us closer to Christ. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.